the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, as well as the Unite IE Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups in the Inland Empire, where our mission is to unite freedom-loving, America-loving Americans and magnify our strength and effectiveness in making and keeping America great and prosperous, and if that doesn't say domestic extremist, you know, I don't know what does. And we see every day the need for people to uh, to step up and fulfill the obligations of their most important political office, that of the private citizen, based on the Justice Brandeis quote, our country and our rights and our freedom are under attack on every front every day by a relentless and remorseless enemy. And we've talked about many of them, particularly in the government-run schools and what's happening there. But we're going to turn our attention today back to the um, Second Amendment and our right to keep and bear arms, because that is no less under attack. Uh, The Democrat Party thought leader, Vladimir Lenin, said that uh, one man with a gun can control 100 without one. Versus Frederick Douglass, who said that a man's rights rest in three boxes. The ballot box, the jury box, and the cartridge box. And to help us to know what's happening to our Second Amendment rights and what's being done to protect them, very pleased to welcome to the show today, Rick Travis, who is with the California Rifle and Pistol Association, which I think seems to be a much more effective um, organization than the uh, longer-running and bigger-budgeted National Rifle Association. He is their legislative director, and you can find more about the organization and the good work that they're doing at crpa.org, crpa.org. And with that, uh, welcome to the show, Rick. Hey, thank you for having me on, Greg. Well, there's, there's so much we can dive into, of course, with every shooting. Well, almost every shooting. Sometimes the shootings tend to be a little embarrassing to to the Democrat Party, and they get dropped right away. So if if one of their people, one of their protected people, one of their uh, preferred people is involved, is a shooter, it tends to get dropped pretty quickly. Versus normally they run it into the ground and try to use it as reason to restrict the Second Amendment rights of law-abiding citizens. So maybe in the, it kind of, in the, and it's always, you know, it, we just need common sense gun control to protect people, to protect our children, and they're usually not very clear about what, what common sense gun control, unquote, is. So is there, let, let's, start in, let's start on the strategic level. Is there evidence that some kind of gun control laws will reduce crime or homicide? No, there's there's actually to the opposite, Greg. What we have seen over and over is, I like to call it crime control. When we control crime and we control criminals properly, then we don't have the criminal acts of gun violence that the left likes to use to oppress the right. And this is one of the critical issues of our day is understanding that going soft on criminals and crime is a a critical issue. Another issue is when you see government making it easier to be a criminal, laying them out early, um, furloughing them, giving them all sorts of rights, which we can talk about in some of the the legislation that's been proposed this year, you will see over and over, this isn't about public safety. It's not about reducing gun violence. What it's about is reducing the rights of the free, law-abiding citizen to be able to protect their families and to put food on the table and to exercise their constitutional rights. And if we lose the Second Amendment, you will lose every right 
guaranteed in the first, because when these Bill of Rights were put together, there's a reason the words shall not be infringed is to end cap to the second. The second is the bookend to the First Amendment. And you lose the second, you lose the first. Right. And you look at um, gun ownership. Now, of course, the, the, the enemy that wants to take away our gun rights is we'll say, well, look at Europe. And they, they have gun control and they have very much, they have much lower homicide rates. And, and believe them, but that's not the full story, is it? Because you look at, <clears throat> I'm sorry, take a little, take a pause down and cut that out. If you look at the, the, whether gun control and the availability of guns and how many guns there are per, per, per person in a country versus the homicide and crime rate. And if anything, there's a slight, positive correlation that more guns leads to uh, to less crime. Correct. Because, I mean, if you look at it, criminals don't fear law enforcement. They know where law enforcement is. They know the rules law enforcement has to play by. Criminals fear law-abiding citizens because we don't advertise. We look different. Um, no, we look exactly like everybody else. And so that causes pause. If you look at mass um, shootings, which is a, a grotesque way for the, the media to play this out. But if you look where those have occurred, you can look at Southern Springs. The moment someone started to return fire, the guy ran. You look over and over again of what the matrix and the logic, um, if you want to call it that, of people who have wanted to do great Bali harm at movie theaters, public places. They look for places that are, what? Gun-free zones. Because they don't want to die. They want to cause death and mayhem but they certainly don't want to face somebody else that is most likely better trained than they are. And I say that because if you look at California's concealed carry weapons or CCW um, individuals in the state, here's three fun-filled facts. Number one, we are extremely well-trained. Number two, according to the FBI for the past 25 years, we actually are better at not committing a wrongful act with a firearm or having a mishap than law enforcement. So it means we're the safest individuals out there. And this state, the third fun-filled fact, is an estimated 300,000 different incidences every year in California are stopped by a person with a firearm lawfully with a CCW. And they don't result in shootings. It's just a mere fact that that person says don't do that and pulls their firearm is enough to end the incident where people don't get killed and don't get hurt. So the rhetoric of the left of, oh, you give someone a CCW and welcome to the OK Corral, insert anywhere in California, is wrong. And that's why you saw the Supreme Court last summer about this time in the New York State Rifle Pistol Association versus Bruin case come out with that landmark decision where it said, no, you can't do these things. You cannot impede people's rights to carry. Sure. So actually, the words keep and bear arms actually mean keep and bear arms. Who would have thunk? Yeah. Well, that, that's that's let's 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 take that uh, let's take that a little bit off ramp to our discussion. Is certainly in California, if you want to if you want to have a CCW, you have to take a class, you have to take a test, you have to take an actual shooting test and qualify. Now, you uh, the Supreme Court said what it is that you don't have to um, show good cause as determined by the government. To exercise your Second Amendment rights. But then there are states where there's there's a movement among many of Republican-controlled states to make the Second Amendment your CCW and let anybody who is lawfully entitled to own a firearm carry. What's your what's your view of that? That's the way it should be. And, you know, I wish we could get California to that position. We're working on it. Um, you know, turning a state around like California, it's been done before. We actually started a couple of years after the National Rifle Association did. And since 1875, we've been the, the people primarily responsible for firearm safety, competitive shooting, and defending your rights here in the state. And we've seen the state flip from when we first started, where it was all Democrats, people can hunt, most people didn't have a firearm. And we've pushed back and forth. So we've went through this before, we're doing it again. But our number one thing that we want people in California to realize is they do have the ability to exercise those Second Amendment rights we have more CCWs that have been issued today than we did 10 years ago. Um, we're continuing to push those numbers up. 
CRPA was instrumental in bringing the sheriff's offices, which are the primary issuers of CCWs together, into a series of annual conferences, of which we just had our fifth anniversary, that has led to many, many counties exceeding 15 to 20,000 CCWs in the county. We've been able to get other counties that formerly did not issue to start moving that direction. And we're, we continue to use the law and, and both the, in the Capitol and in the courtroom to continue to push on those agencies that do not want to follow the Constitution. Yes, and in California, the CCW is issued by the county, usually the usually the sheriff, the sheriff of that county. So we're fortunate in Riverside, San Marino counties to have uh, Second Amendment friendly sheriffs in uh, Chad Bianco in Riverside and um, Shannon Dykus in San Bernardino, where they there are in the major Democrat urban counties. It's essentially been we're not issuing any. Yeah, that's that's been the case. But, you know, you can go up and look at counties like Solano County, which ironically is where we hold the CCW conference. And the sheriff that was in there has stood up to the county and made sure CCWs are issued. And they're up right around 10,000 CCWs. You've had counties like Orange that used to be a Republican stronghold that now is more probably purple if you were to look at the colors. Um, But you have a very strong sheriff and Sheriff Don Barnes who, in addition to fighting the fentanyl crisis, has continued the legacy of his predecessor, Hutchins, and he's well over 24,000 CCWs. And what's more, are those are sheriffs that have been sending staff into neighboring counties to help strengthen their CCWs. So even where Todd Gloria is down in San Diego, who's very anti-2A, we fought him for years in the legislature, and now the mayor in San Diego is doing everything he can to oppress people's rights. Sheriff's Office is still issuing in excess of 14,000 CCWs. So, you know, yeah, we have to keep the pressure on, but I want to make sure people know that just because your county might be a Democratic county, uh, right now we've got 48 of the 58 um, counties in the state issuing. And we've even had some movement where San Francisco is now starting to issue. So um, it's not the numbers or the depth that I'd like to see, but you know, if you would have asked me this question a couple of years ago, Greg, I would have told you we'd see that when we saw the devil buying winter underwear. And uh, I would have been wrong because we've now started to see some of that movement. Well, that's good. And, uh, you know, the, the threat of being sued and having the law enforced against you is uh, actually you know, helps motivate them in the, in the right direction. You know, just kind of coming back to you know, the guns versus homicide and gun control. You look at an international comparison, uh, and you can find that if you search that on the on the internet. But let's look at two countries, neighboring countries, the United States and Mexico. So, in the the, the homicide rate per one hundred thousand, the United States is sixty one sixty first out of the out of the world at six point four. Mexico, which has very very strict gun control and essentially bans private ownership of guns, is ninth at 28.4 per 100,000. So it's not the guns. Right. Well, it's, not, it's not the gun control. It's, it, yeah. It, it, gun control does not mean the criminals will not have guns. In fact, just the opposite. All right. Um, let's, take a, let's take a break here and hear from our sponsor, Ed Hoffman of United American Mortgage, a place to go for your real estate lending needs. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590, The Answer. Think about this. Your mortgage rate is at 3%, but your car loan is now at 10 or 11%. Over the past year, the average car payment has risen from $400 to $800. Rates on your credit cards have risen from an average of 14% up to 20% and higher. And across the country, credit card balances are higher now than they were before COVID. HELOCs are now at 10%. You don't want to touch your low-rate mortgage, but you're paying through the nose on all of your other debts, and it's hard to make ends meet. Solution, do a cash-out refinance and wrap all your debt together on your house now and lower all your payments. Then when the rates really drop next year, you can do a rate and term refinance when rates are really low and not have to pay the cash-out refinance fees to do it. If this idea makes you curious, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that 
of the Private Citizen. My name is Greg Britton, Residency Party Patriots and the Unite IE Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups. Very pleased this week to have on Rick Travis, who is the Legislative Director of the California Rifle and Pistol Association, where their motto is, Be Safe, Shoot Straight, and Fight Back. And we're talking about our rights under the Second Amendment to keep and bear arms and fighting back against the uh, governments and the Democrats' efforts to uh, restrict those rights. We're talking about how comparing gun control and the availability of guns in a country versus the crime and homicide rate. And we compared uh, Mexico at 28 point uh, something per 100,000 homicide versus the U.S. at 6.4. But even in the U.S., isn't it correct that if you there are wide variations? So if you were to cut out the the Democrat controlled big cities, which have much higher homicide rates, the, the rest of our country would be more like European homicide rates, notwithstanding our Second Amendment. Is that correct? That would be correct. And one of the things you have to look at, Greg, is a lot of those data sets that come from different countries are already skewed, where they have removed um, the criminal gangs, you know, different groups, political groups and stuff have been moved out. So, you know, you look at some of those, especially former East Bloc countries, there are huge organized crime elements that their stats don't count into you know, the, the general stats are, are used as a comparison with the United States. Likewise, if you pull out um, gang violence, you know, gang-on-gang shootings in L.A., Chicago, a lot of those places, those numbers drop significantly, you know. And so the comparison that they're trying to use is, again, to point out that the law-abiding citizen is this huge threat, and we're not. And when you look at the, the number of laws thrown every year that I currently have to go fight if all of them were enacted, and I've said this in testimony, then I look at them and go, what if it stopped anything, anything that's happened the past year? And they always go silent because the fact is, it wouldn't. Including the ones they're proposing right now, none of these would stop anything. They create laws for things that don't exist. Well, they're chipping away at the Second Amendment rights. Right now, with the current U.S. Supreme Court, they could not outright ban private ownership of guns, although uh, I think that's their goal. And every once in a while, they let the mask slip and acknowledge that. Uh, Look how wonderful Australia is or similar countries where they essentially ban private ownership of guns. Or one of them will say, we we should repeal the the, the Second Amendment. Usually they're more circumspect than that. But but, uh, you look at, see, they, they pass laws and every incident, they'll, they'll propose new gun control laws that wouldn't have stopped the incident they're all riled up about. Correct. Of course, the, the goal is, of course, is ultimately to take away, chip away, keep chipping away at our right to keep and bear arms. And, and I'll, I'll assert right now, Greg, that I think the mask has been off for a little bit now. Um, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, that unfortunately wasn't recalled in any of our attempts. He is a gentleman who has come out that has said, hey, you know what? I'm going after the next generation, and I'm going to kill the culture of firearms ownership here in California. And he passed, um, with the help of some of his legislative goon squads, a, a bill late in the season. It was what we call a gun amend. It didn't look anything like it did not last week when they did it, but it was Assembly Bill 2571, which cut off the ability for everybody to be able to have normal groups with kids where firearms could be presented, where we could have different companies bring ammunition as a donation and and different things, um, absolutely cut it off. This year, they have another bill, Assembly 262, which that bill is designed to go after every religious camp, every Boy Scout camp, every junior um, ROTC, which is the military camps. It goes after uh, hunt clubs, rod clubs, outdoor clubs, anywhere where there is a range use, whether it's for fun, like in trap or skeet, or it's there to, to earn a merit badge, does not matter. They are trying over the next two years to eliminate that from the landscape. And the impact is, in California, there are two things that a lot of firearms owners don't realize. Every year, through groups like ourselves and some of the ones I've just mentioned, we expose young people to firearms for the first time to the tune of over a half a million kids every summer. 
you remove that from the landscape, there is nothing to fill in that educational gap for the next generation. You know, it's just impossible. As we learned with the over 1.6 million new gun owners during the pandemic, um, just trying to get them all on the range to teach them basics, there's not enough ranges and enough instructors to do that. So there's not a space really to fill this in. It's one of the reasons we're finding this so hard because this is another act to stop firearms ownership from anybody under the age of 18 from ever happening in the future. Sure. And I, I don't, I don't have any specific uh, information, but I'm, I'm confident that there, with all the other indoctrination going on in the government run schools, that they're heavily indoctrinating against, uh, against guns as well. I remember there was one instance where the child was suspended after chewing his pop tart into the shape of a gun. Right. Okay. Um, also, t- 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 one of the things CRPA does is to litigate against these bad laws once they're passed as violation of the Second Amendment. Uh, what are some, what are some of the lead cases that you're, you guys are working on now? Sure. We have one that is called Duncan v. Bonta. And just so everybody realizes, a lot of these cases change because the versus the state of California always has whatever the current attorney general's name on it. That started in 2016, and I point that out because it's been a seven-year battle. We had the Ninth Circuit um, and a three-judge panel say we were absolutely right that um, the idea of telling people they could only have a 10-round magazine was against the law because you're supposed to be able to have the same thing anybody else has in the other 49 states. And I often compare the magazine size to being like a car. You go buy you know, your brand-new SUV in California, and in the back, you got a donut tire. But your friend in Arizona, Texas, Minnesota, even New York, a liberal state, when they buy it, they've got a fifth tire that they don't have to pay for. They got it as a standard. But if you want that fifth tire, got to go buy a wheel, got to go buy a tire. Same idea. You know, they buy a Glock 19 and they're getting magazines with 15 to 19 round magazines standard. We're not getting that. And so I always tell people do not call them large capacity magazines. That's a term of the left. They're called standard capacity magazines. And you paid the same price, if not more, in California for the same firearm and got a diminished capacity magazine. So that's that case. Another one is Rody v. Bonta. That was to go after the ammunition scheme that the governor set up um, back in 2016. And that scheme has now made it so you have to go get a separate background check. And, and this just shows the ridiculousness, Greg. I got to watch people do this during the pandemic. You go buy your first firearm. And they run you through what's called the National Crime Statistics, NICS. And they do the same thing for the ammunition. And I remember watching a Democratic attorney look and go, wait a second, let me get this right. I just bought this firearm, filled out paperwork, gave you my driver's license, and you tell me it's going to take 10 days. And the person behind the counter is like, yep. But then when you asked me if I wanted to buy ammunition, I had to pay an extra fee and run my same information again. And you told me in five minutes, I was authorized to buy ammunition for the firearm that I can't pick up for 10 days. Correct. And that was mind boggling to the person who said, well, who who did this to us? And we politely told her, your party. Yeah, so um, these are two of the cases. We also have one that is moving right now through the courts, Bolin v. Bonta, along with the other two. And that is to get rid of the heinous, unnecessary, definitely a legalistic gun grab, which is known as the roster in California, which allows the Attorney General and the Department of Justice to decide what firearms you can purchase, which has actually made firearms ownership less safe because manufacturers have been improving safety features on firearms for the past 10 years. And we don't have access to those firearms in the general public because the roster keeps them from being offered here in California. And already we have a favorable decision. Of course, the state keeps appealing, which means we're going to end up in the Supreme Court on all of these. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a short time left. One of the laws that I was most concerned with was one that allowed people to sue manufacturers for, quote, unreasonably unsafe guns, whatever that means, and dealers for not guessing who was going to commit a crime with the gun. Um, in 30 seconds, what's the status of that law? Both of those are being challenged, and I, and I will say something about the dealers. If you look at the crime stats here in California, you talk to any of the groups that work with criminals, they will tell you that less than 1% of all firearms are ever purchased legally by a criminal because being a criminal, you can't purchase it. 
but it's automatically a straw purchase. Now, some of those people prior to being a criminal may have done that, but it's still less than 1%. So the 99% is against you and I. It's not against them. I'm shocked. Criminals don't obey the law. I, I, you, you could knock me over with a feather. Um, I want to, th- I want to thank you so much for being on the show and everything that do that you and CRPA is doing to protect our Second Amendment rights. Uh, join their organization, support their organization, uh, at CRPA.org. And thanks for being on the show. We're definitely, definitely going to have you back and stay tuned for the exciting second half of Unite, i.e. radio. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. Think about this. Your mortgage rate is at 3%, but your car loan is now at 10 or 11%. Over the past year, the average car payment has risen from $400 to $800. Rates on your credit cards have risen from an average of 14% up to 20% and higher. And across the country, credit card balances are higher now than they were before COVID. HELOCs are now at 10%. You don't want to touch your low-rate mortgage, but you're paying through the nose on all of your other debts, and it's hard to make ends meet. Solution? Do a cash-out refinance and wrap all your debt together on your house now and lower all your payments. Then, when the rates really drop next year, you can do a rate and term refinance when rates are really low and not have to pay the cash-out refinance fees to do it. If this idea makes you curious, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, as well as the Unite IE Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups in the Inland Empire, where our mission is to unite freedom-loving, America-loving Americans and magnify our strength and effectiveness in making and keeping America great, free, and prosperous. I had a great discussion with Rick Travis from the California Rifle and Pistol Association in our first half. And like all of our rights and freedoms in country, they are under the our Second Amendment rights are under constant attack. And uh, CRPA is probably the best organization around to uh, to defend those. Pleased to welcome to the second half a uh, long Frequent guest on this show, Doug Hauser, who's also with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots and Unite IE Coalition. We dragged him off the golf course to, uh, <laughs> to join us here for, for the, for the radio show. And, uh, and we appreciate that. Um, never, never really appreciated golf. Um, my golf ball keeps hitting those rotating windmill blades. So I've just never, never <laughs> got in, got into the game. It was a big sacrifice too. I had a pretty good round going there, but uh, this is worth it, definitely. <laughs> uh, I appreciate appreciate your sacrifice. Um, <laughs> before you know, we, we, we want to talk about the debt ceiling bill and some other things, but I want to start off here was actually maybe a little bit kind of a, a bit of good news. There was a uh, there was a British comedy troupe that I was a fan of. You know, a little bit of you know of acquired taste. You kind of like them or you don't. It was Monty Python. And they were they were on British TV, and they got played over here, and they made some movies. One of the movies back in 1978 was The Life of Brian. And uh, it was set in the time, in Judea, in the time of Christ, although Jesus never appears in the movie. And the movie makes fun of practically everything, uh, including politics and so on. And there are these um, competing Jewish resistance groups trying to, to fight Roman rule of Judea. But as relevant to our what, what's happening now is there was a scene in which the members of one of the group are discussing their, not even their plans, but their philosophies in, in how to oppose the Romans. And for 1978, it was spot on prescient. Let's take a listen. Any anti-imperialist group like ours must reflect such a divergence of interest within its power base. Agreed. Francis? Yeah. I think Judith's point of view is very valid, Rick, provided the movement never forgets that it is the inalienable right of every man or woman, or woman to rid himself or herself. Or herself. Agreed. Thank you, brother. Or sister. Or sister. Where was I? I think you finished. Oh, right. Furthermore, it is the birthright of every man or woman. Why don't you shut up about women, Stan? You're putting us off. Women have a perfect right to play a part in our movement, Reg. Why are you always on about women, Stan? I want to be one. 
What? I want to be a woman. From now on, I want you all to call me Loretta. What? It's my right as a man. Well, why do you want to be Loretta, Stan? I want to have babies. You want to have babies? It's every man's right to have babies if he wants them. But you can't have babies. Don't you oppress me. I'm not oppressing you, Stan. You haven't got a womb. Where's the fetus going to just take? You're going to keep it in a box? Here, I've got an idea. Suppose you agree that he can't actually have babies, not having a womb, which is nobody's fault, not even the Romans, but that he can have the right to have babies. Good idea, Judith. We shall fight the oppressors for your right to have babies, brother. Sister, sorry. What's the point? What? What's the point of fighting for his right to have babies when he can't have babies? It is symbolic of our struggle against oppression. Symbolic of his struggle against reality. Boy, how they how they saw that coming, I I I, I do not wow. know. But what's what, what the reason why I bring it up um, in in this week's show is one of the members, John Cleese, was working on a. Uh, a live, a, a theater version of the movie. And some of the young woke actors wanted to take out that scene. Transphobic. <laughs> and to his credit, I mean, and he's no conservative. He's no, um, he's, he's no conservative, but John Cleese said no. He stood up and said, no, the scene stays in the movie and not in the movie. Now the, now the play. And just you know, a little bit of a sign of um, of, of of good news. There was um, a school in Canada this past week in which somebody tore down the uh, gay pride flag to the cheers of the, of most of the of most of the students present. You know, even there, even after getting all that woke ed, woke indoctrination, they're getting tired of having this force fed to them. So you know, they're just little signs. Um, there are little signs. You know, the, the, the doctors went woke, and they they uh, invited this uh, anti-Christian, satir- uh, not even satire um, troop, and that's their right to be anti-Christian and, and whatnot. But the Dodgers don't have to invite them to perform at one of their games. And there's now a boycott going on of Dodger games, and one of the, even a, a Catholic bishop who is normally the Catholic Church is normally uh, on the left side, is supporting this boycott. A player spoke up against it. See, just little signs of, you know, it's like that, you know, the when the when the plants first start to grow, you first see that little green shoot. Well, maybe just little green shoots coming out of the ground of courage to stand up for our culture and our and our values. I, I agree. I agree very much. I'm not sure if I'm okay with tearing down a flag or tearing down a sign, though I could certainly understand the uh, anger at being, like you said, force-fed this stuff just continuously, continuously, continuously. But I believe Cleese is correct, and I forget who I heard say it, but certainly Dinesh D'Souza referred to it, in that one of the best ways we can fight back is through ridicule, is through pointing out how absolutely ridiculous, uh, what Monty Python would say, incredibly silly they are about these issues. So they don't like somebody pointing out that men can't have babies. They don't like it. That's what it all amounts to. It's what they like and what they don't like. And the laws are all supposed to be about not about consistency, not about truth, not about honesty, not about fairness. It's about what they like. And we see in the left, can give numerous examples how what they like changes from day to day to day. They switch back and forth. So just 10 years ago or 12 years ago, they were against illegal immigration. You can look it up and find the quotes from Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton and all the leaders of the Democrat Party, how immigration was bad from the Sierra Club, who rightly pointed out that when people move to America, they use up a lot more resources than they used to. 
But then suddenly they discovered that all these people are potential Democrat voters, and suddenly they love illegal immigration. It's completely stood on its head. And there are many, many issues where how they feel just swings around wildly from one moment to the next. One moment they deny there is a deep state, and the next moment they love the deep state because it's protecting us from Donald Trump. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah the things yeah. cannot be based on what you like. <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, the changing the position on on illegal immigration is a, not so much an altering of reality or denying of reality. It's just a recognition that, oh, this this now this this helps us politically. So we're going to change our position. We have another clip here uh, addressing this an issue of reality and truth and lies. We are having these really thorny existential theological debates with the veneer of politics. We will fight the woke in the legislature. We will fight the woke in education. We will fight the woke in the businesses. We will never, ever surrender to the woke mob. The transgender thing, there's a reason people on the right are so exercised about this. And it's because if you can't say boys are boys and girls are girls and they're different and it's awesome that they're different, I don't see how you can have a discussion over tax rates or politics or elections when you disagree on fundamental basic things about our reality. How did it happen that this administration has made this such a central part of who it is and what it thinks America is? That's the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is not to have to overtly censor everyone in a totalitarian regime. The ultimate goal is to make you censor yourself, to make you put down the things that you know are lies and assert them as truth. If they can make you say lies about that, they can make you lie about literally anything. And that's the point. Solzhenitsyn wrote about this, and he had a famous essay, Live Not By Lies. So it's not just the propaganda. It's not just trying to make you obey. It's to make you join in the lies and break your morale. So you you have to sit there and say, oh, yes, diversity, equity, d- diversity is our strength. White people, you know, white supremacy is a terrible thing. It's, it's a terrible threat. You, you, you have to say, they make you say those things. If you want, you know, if you want to keep your job in, 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 in many companies. And part of our resistance, a big part of it is, is just, to live not by lies is don't, if you don't believe it to be true, you don't say it. Now, it's easy. Now, for us, uh, you're retired, Doug. I have my, I'm a sole practitioner as a lawyer and I don't have, I don't, I don't have to worry about my job. So it's easier for us. It's, uh, it's harder for if, if you have a job and you have a family to support and a mortgage and car payments and kids who want to go to college and, wh- and, and whatnot, that's a harder thing to do and a much more courageous thing to do to stand up and live not by lies. So stand up for your principles. At our last Tea Party meeting, we had a teacher, um, Jessica Tapia, who was fired from the Harupa government-run schools because she wouldn't go along with concealing from parents that the schools were transing their children. And right now, as she's suing them, but uh, she lost her job over that. So there, there's courage there because she had she put herself at risk. But if we're going to if we're going to keep our country, we have a country. From the founders through all of the through the various wars that where we defended her is people put their lives on the line. And we're Absolutely. not called upon to do that yet, but we are we um I was, I'm going to paraphrase it, but I don't have it in front of me is Ben Carson said that if you want to be free, you have to be brave. Correct. They go together. Um, And that is why I agree with you that people who have more to lose are more exposed. People perhaps in the entertainment industry or other places that are bastions of leftism. Yeah, it is much more difficult for them to speak out. And that is why it is all the more incumbent on those of us who are not under that gun, you know, at the moment, at least 
for us to speak out, to to grow the numbers of people speaking the truth and give those people who are risking more the, the courage and the ability and the fortitude and the stamina to be able to do the same and speak the truth. Truth is the ultimate weapon against this type of thing. Orwell knew it. George Orwell knew it way back in the 50s when he wrote 1984. Um, one of the things that Winston Smith comes to realize is Freedom is the freedom to say that two plus two equals four. If that is granted, all else follows. He knew that ultimately the totalitarian state must come down and tell you, no, 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 two plus two doesn't equal four. It equals whatever we tell you it equals. And that that is what must be resisted, you know, to the ultimate degree or it will be lost. The, the, the very essence of our humanity will ultimately be lost, which which is, in fact, what happens if you if you read 1984. It has a tragic ending. Um, but that is why we must fight back and insist on the truth about whether it's transgenderism, whether it's war in Europe, whether it's, you know, what causes inflation, what causes food shortages, whether it's who our true enemies in the world are. Whatever the case may be, people must speak their minds, speak their truth. You also got to be willing if the facts change or you're exposed to facts you didn't know before, you got to be willing to modify your views in accordance with facts, because the more your your mind and your thoughts accord with the reality of the world, the better off you're going to be and the better off the whole society is going to be. Yes. Harry Truman, we'll close out this segment. Harry Truman said that when even one American who has done nothing wrong is forced by fear to shut his mind and close his mouth, then all Americans are in peril. And again, um, President Truman was also prescient to where we are today. Let's hear from again from Ed Hoffman of United American Mortgage, the place to go for your real estate lending needs. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. Think about this. Your mortgage rate is at 3%, but your car loan is now at 10 or 11%. Over the past year, the average car payment has risen from $400 to $800. Rates on your credit cards have risen from an average of 14% up to 20% and higher. And across the country, credit card balances are higher now than they were before COVID. HELOCs are now at 10%. You don't want to touch your low-rate mortgage, but you're paying through the nose on all of your other debts, and it's hard to make ends meet. Solution? Do a cash-out refinance and wrap all your debt together on your house now and lower all your payments. Then, when the rates really drop next year, you can do a rate and term refinance when rates are really low and not have to pay the cash-out refinance fees to do it. If this idea makes you curious, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton, Residence Tea Party Patriots and Unite IE Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups. Pleased to have on uh, Doug Hauser, who's also with the, the Residence Tea Party Patriots and Unite IE Coalition. Uh, in our last segment here, uh, the probably biggest news of the week was the, uh, the House on Thursday, and uh, we're, when we're recording, had passed it on Wednesday night, the uh, bill that will increase the debt by at least $4 trillion over the next two years. Uh, again, we're talking about truth. Uh, McCarthy's running around, and uh, the Republicans have voted for it as this, as this some great this, uh, great deal. Um, and uh, actually, more Democrats in the House voted for it than Republicans. Uh, in the Senate, Schumer is already supporting it. There's no serious Democrat opposition to to the bill because it funds all of their priorities. Um, reminded of George Carlin, who said that uh, the word bipartisan means some larger than usual deception is being carried out. And uh, Ted Cruz said of this deal, it is a blank check for the Democrats. Yeah, m- there are minor cuts. And then all of the other, when they say $1.5 trillion, that is all speculative uh, supposed cuts out in future years that uh, will likely never happen. It's speculative and iffy at best. 
a few examples of just how bad this bill is. There's some, there was supposed to be regulatory reform in it, but under the McCarthy's deal with uh, with Biden, the regulatory reform can be waived by Biden's OMB director. They supposedly put in weak work requirements for food stamps, but because of new exceptions in the deal, the number of food stamp recipients who don't have to work will increase. They supposedly got back $28 billion out of $6 trillion of unspent COVID money. But of the $28 billion, $22 billion goes into a slush fund in the Commerce Department to be spent later. It locks in the bloated COVID spending as the new, they call baseline. And then, and then everything is, the future spending is based on uh, that baseline. So if you look before COVID, the Housing and Urban Development Department spent $40 billion. In fiscal 2024, under the Biden-McCarthy debt increase bill, it'll spend $177 billion. Department of Energy, 2019, $30 billion. In 2024, under Biden-McCarthy, $160 billion. Department of Agriculture, $140 billion to $482 billion. And all that increased spending gets locked in under this terrible deal. Uh, Some of our local guys. I think almost the entire Republican congressional delegation voted for this. Obernoti, Calvert, Young Kim, Michelle Steele, Tom McClintock. I think Tom McClintock's a pretty good guy. Um, Kevin Kiley voted for it. Um, used to be used to be one of one of my heroes or heroines, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, now not so much voted for it. All in all, 149 of them voted for it, and they had, you know, they had the they had the chance to to do something about the fiscal situation in the country, and they chose to not. They chose not to. Well, I'm I'm a little more of two minds about this, as I as I frequently say. I feel very strongly both ways. Um, I don't. I haven't read the bill myself. I don't know, you know, every detail of it, but. Several economists that I have spoken or not have spoken to, but that I have seen interviewed about this have said, have admitted that while much of what you say is true and, you know, it's not the bill we would have if we control both houses and the presidency, that it was probably a really good deal for considering where we are and that they believe that this will embolden the Republicans more than it will embolden the Democrats to press forward with other things like while it didn't defund the 78,000 uh, new IRS agents, they believe that that is next on their agenda and several issues of that nature. So I'm more agnostic on the long-term effects of this. And, you know, I'm in a more of a wait and see position. Uh, and I'm hoping that these people are correct and that our side is more emboldened to take bolder steps and do things uh, in the future, I feel much more sanguine about I don't know about the presidency. That's a tough one because we know what the Democrats are like, how they cheat. But I'm much more sanguine about the possibility of us taking back the Senate and at least having both houses of Congress where we can drive tougher and tougher bargains. And so I'm a little more willing uh, to wait and see what what happens here. The uh, the debt is now at thirty one point five trillion dollars, one hundred and twenty five percent of GDP. There was uh, maybe one of the worst things about the about the COVID response was shutting down the economy and then printing and spending four trillion dollars, which they did in twenty in, in twenty twenty. Since Biden's been in, in office, of course, he's not in charge of anything. Another four trillion dollars, and under this yeah. bill. At least another four trillion dollars. There's no limit right now. If, if this bill passes, there is no debt limit until January one, twenty twenty five. They can increase it as much as they want to until then. Economy goes into recession. And it could well be more than the estimated four trillion dollars. We're destroying the country, and even and, and even if you have the Senate, you still if you have a Democrat in the White House. Why are they going to stand up and fight then? You have you have to be willing to go to the mat and 
no, we're not increasing it. Or if we're increasing it, here are the spending restraints that are going to be imposed as part of that. Otherwise, you just defer the catastrophe. Well, we 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 didn't we didn't have we didn't have the catastrophe now. Well, we're gonna have it later. So you need to, in my judgment, right. stand up. And the, the public right. opinion polling was not was in our favor. Is the pub, people the people understand? You can't keep spending like they're spending and running up the debt like they're running up the debt. And something has to be done about it. So the Republicans had the wind of public opinion at their backs, and they caved to get some minor short-term restraint on spending. But this funds all of the Democrats' priorities, which is why the Democrats in the House supported it. It's why Brandon was told to support it by the people that run him. It's why Schumer supports it. It's why McConnell supports it. All the establishment people, all the corrupt politicians in Washington support it. Um, you got 30 seconds to uh, tell me why my analysis is Brilliant and on point. On point. <laughs> um, I think your analysis is on point. Uh, you know, it's not the bill I would have passed if I was there, obviously. Um, but I am hopeful. And in fact, the public opinion poll that you that you just referenced, which shows that people do understand that is a spending problem and not a revenue problem, is, you know, a point for our side. And we've got to help as as citizens help stiffen the spines of these politicians and get them to drive better and harder bargains in the confidence that good good policy will make for good politics in the long run. And uh, you're absolutely correct. They need to, to to stiffen up and do what's right and explain to people why it's right. Um, but public opinion is shifting in our favor. Okay. Uh, that's all the time we have. Uh, as always, the Republican Party position is we'll fight next time. Thanks for being on the show, Doug, and tune in next week for another exciting edition of Unite, i.e. Radio. AM 590, the answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.